1: What is up, party people? I am here with my boy, Jordan, from The Art of Charm. As you guys know, I watch a gaggle of content, listen to a ton of podcasts when I'm prepping for the guests that we have on the show. And Jordan and Art of Charm is a place that I go almost every episode. And so I wanted to talk to him today about a guest that he's had that I am desperate to get on the show, and that is Neil deGrasse Tyson. So my man, tell me about my boy, Neil.
0: Yeah, this guy, obviously, if you don't know Neil DeGrasse Tyson, you gotta just go ahead and Google image search right because you'll go, oh yeah, that guy. this man is super smart. I mean when he walked into the studio to record, there was a giant gong because we recorded this we recorded this nice studio in San Francisco and he's like, can I hit this? And I was like, I wish we were already rolling, you know he already he just has that cool built-in personality. We talked a lot about, how a seasoned scientist can maintain childlike curiosity, why that's important, understanding the power of science to transcend some of our bias that we all kind of come with. And, a lot about enlightened leadership and I don't mean that in sort of this woo-woo way but really understanding the value of science why science denial has surged so dramatically in recent years I mean we when I was a kid you know we knew the earth wasn't flat now people are like oh I don't know it's a conspiracy so we talked a lot about that and he's just he's brilliant he's interesting he's entertaining this was a really good episode and fun for me to do
1: nice All right, guys you're definitely going to want to check that out and Jordan where can they find it
0: at theartofcharm.com is where we have a lot of our episodes if you're a web user, of so if you're surfing the web, nobody says that anymore. Or, of course, wherever fine podcasts are sold, it is free. So you can search for us in iTunes or Overcast or Spotify. Just search for The Art of Charm. And there we are.
1: All right, man. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of AMA. I'm your host, Tom Bilyeu, and I'm going to be taking your questions. So if you have a question, drop it in right now. This is my version of a lightning round, so I'm gonna be answering as many questions as possible. So submit those bad boys. As soon as they pop up on this TV, I'm gonna burn through them. Let's get a little crazy today, let's have some fun. It's a Thursday, why not? If you're in LA, my heart goes out to you, I'm so sorry. The Dodgers lost, horrific, horrific news. I did not pay attention to that at all. But nonetheless, I feel your pain. Hey, by the way, if any of you guys are fans of movies, TV shows, um, comic books, all that good stuff, we have a new channel, Impact Theory Studios, on YouTube. Go check that out. We're going to be releasing another episode tomorrow, this one on Thor Ragnarok, doing our panel review only go over there if you guys are into movies and stuff like that. It's all about movies through the perspective of mindset, what you can learn, what you can take away. The Matrix changed my life, but it didn't change most people's lives. So we're putting together content that will hopefully show people how you can extract a ton of amazing meaning from stuff like that. All right, without further ado, today's first question comes from Daniel Breeze. Oh, I can't believe I didn't mention, hey, we're on a new set. Welcome, Uh, very excited to be on this set. So you guys will be seeing more and more of this as we go. You've already seen, if you've been watching the panel show um, over on Impact Theory Studios, you've already seen one part of the set. This is the other, which I am beyond excited about, which is the logo wall. All right, Daniel Breeze from Facebook. Throughout my life, I've tried to do multiple things at the same time, which had absolutely nothing to do with each other. This led me to never being a master in any one thing. Thus, I found that it's best for me to focus on just one thing at a time. What is your opinion on what Ryan Holiday says about doing different things at the same time? All right, this is a reference to Perennial Seller, which is Ryan Holiday's most recent book. It's actually a really good book. Um, If you go to impacttheory.com, you can see my knowledge trail, which is all the books that I've read, actually in order that I read them as well. Um, Check that out. And one of the most recent books, I think it's one of the last five that I read, was Ryan Holiday's Perennial Seller. And in that, he talks about the thing that kills most from ever becoming a perennial seller, meaning that it goes on to sell for, you know, ages and ages, decades, 100 years or more is that people are trying to do multiple things that have nothing to do with each other at the same time. Now, when they add on each other, it can be very beneficial to have multiple things going, but when they are mutually exclusive, have nothing to do with each other, um, they basically cancel each other out. So um, that's why, for instance, with Impact Theory Studios, you'll see that it's still all mindset. So what we're doing here, we want to literally own mindset. When you think mindset, we want you thinking Tom Bilyeu and Impact Theory. Period. So everything that we're going to do is going to be around mindset It's going to be about building your belief system, all that. Like, that is it. That's our universe. That's what we want to own. Even when Lisa and I are talking about relationships, we're coming at it from the perspective of mindset, coming at it from how can you think about it? How do you construct a belief system, rules of engagement, all that stuff that allow you to move forward in an effective manner. So I'm totally down with what Ryan Holiday is saying. I think that you need to pick something and go deep, go hard on that. Don't uh, be all over the place. All right, this next one is, is from Risharaj Dar. Pretty dope name. Uh, Hey, Tom, uh, could you give me advice on how to block out distractions when involved in studying to stop procrastinating and stay present? Yes, I can. So first of all, I would put your headphones on. That shuts out the rest of the world. That That is a very simple thing that you can do. Also, I would not listen to music with lyrics. Don't listen to music with lyrics. The reason I say that is your brain, some part of your brain is working on processing human language when we hear voices which fall in the um, auditory range that we are optimized to hear. And then if it's in a language that we speak, then immediately you're gonna begin to try to understand the meaning of that. So what I do, I put on headphones and I listen to, I have a playlist specifically called No Lyrics, which is pop music, but it's um, pop music, um without lyrics. Hey, uh, then the other is film scores. So I listen to a lot of film scores. So that's a much bigger playlist just cuz it's so easy to find amazing music without lyrics and I put one of those two things on. Then the other thing is I adjust my posture and I furrow my brow. So I'm sure I'm going to pay for that with lines in my face, but but there's something about the intensity that that gives me that allows me to focus. Now, I don't always do the brow furrowing, but if I have something like um, reading a contract, especially at the beginning when I'm trying to generate real momentum on the task, I will do that. So I'll sit up really straight, I'll lean forward, I'll furrow my brow, and I get right into it. Um, And then the other thing is, as you find your attention wandering, bring it back, bring it back, bring it back, because the mind certainly wants to wander, especially if you're doing something that you find boring or uninteresting, so you're going to have to force it back, um, all coming back to you know, habits, routines, identity. I'm the type of person that forces myself to focus, that brings myself back. I don't accept excuses. I don't accept that I have ADD or anything like that. Like I just keep coming back to it, um, so letting that be a part of how you get back there, just making that demand. All right. Next question is from Gim85. This one comes from YouTube. Hey, Tom, what's up? One question from an Argentinian here. How do you organize your ideas to start actually working on them and stop lingering on the doubts that cloud the mind? All right, this one is really important, and I will eventually write a book just on this topic alone, which is it's never going to feel like you're going to accomplish it. You're never going to, even with all the success that I've had in life, I've had it because even though I'm utterly convinced I'm gonna fail, I refuse to let myself believe that. So first of all, there's a voice in my head throwing that out, trying to keep me safe, right? So cut the corpus callosum, and you actually develop multiple personalities within one brain. So you do have these multiple voices. That's just a a fact of the architecture of our minds. So that voice is always going to be there. You don't have to choose to listen to it. You certainly don't even have to believe it. So I choose to believe I can figure anything out. So that's step number one, that keeps me going. And then when I hit fear, that's a habit loop trigger, which reminds me to step forward, to move towards that fear, to do the thing that I am, you know, that little voice in my head, not even little, the fucker is big and loud, but that voice in my head is telling me that I'm not going to be able to do it. When you look at that, like the task before you was so immense and you think, how am I ever going to pull this off? That, that voice is what should propel you to move forward, to say yes to the next thing, to keep pushing, to keep doing it. It's mechanisms. You build these mechanisms, the habit loop triggers into your life so that that fear doesn't cause you to take an action that will move you away from your goals. That's the key. Mechanisms, habits, belief systems, rules, bright lines. Like These are all the things that are going to come to your aid in a moment of crisis. And whether that crisis is fear, doubt, uncertainty, lack of knowledge, whatever it is, that all of those things you've put into place, it's going to be the thing that makes you move forward. And I'm really unhappy with my ability to describe that. So this will have to be in, uh, we'll come back to this another day, but that's huge in my life. It's huge. So yeah, yes. Move forward at all times. All right. Tam Lam, YouTube. How do you deal with your unfocused mind? How to kill procrastination? Um, so I use bright lines a lot for this. So you guys know I have a rule. If I'm awake, I'm either working or working out. That's Monday through Friday. Uh, I always hate having to qualify, but that's Monday through Friday. On the weekends, I have a different balance. I still work, but it's balanced differently. Um, so, But Monday through Friday, if I'm awake, I'm working or working out. And so because I have that bright line, because that's part of my identity, because I come and say this to you guys, and I want to be congr- with that and I want to feel good about myself. All of that weight forces me to act. Also, I am very, and this is huge. This is huge. I have a very compelling future. I'm excited by what I'm trying to build. I believe in it. I believe I can make the world a better place. I believe I can become capable of more. And because of all of that, I'm very excited about the idea of becoming better, more powerful, more capable. I own the things that excite me. I don't feel guilty or judge myself for them. Like getting more powerful excites me. Becoming capable of things tomorrow that I'm not capable of today is exciting. And I literally don't understand people who aren't excited by that. It's utter madness to me, but that is so thrilling to me. And I've seen that play out in my life in such powerful and incredible ways. Seven to 18 years ago now, 18 years ago, I was scrounging through my couch cushions to find enough change to put gas in my car. And I come to you live from a mansion in Beverly Hills with a set that we built. This is in my fucking house. Like, this is all crazy to me. And because it is such a huge gap, From where I started to where I am today, it's like I, to quote 50 Cent, I came in the game humble, can't nobody tell me shit now. So 18 years ago, you might have been able to convince me that simply believing that you can figure things out is stupid, and I would have been like, oh my God, maybe you can't do whatever you set your mind to. But now I am utterly convinced because I've seen it play out in my life. So get compelled by your future. Be excited that you can figure things out. Make sure the thing that you're trying to figure out is something you care deeply about and you won't want to procrastinate. All right, question of the day. Dan Clancy, this is from Facebook. Have you ever gone down a rabbit hole of research only to find you have the same conclusion as when you started? Of course, many, many times. Um, Yes, there it is. And don't be discouraged. Uh, sometimes that's just what you have to do. You go down, you open yourself up to being changed, but at the end of the day, it didn't change you. Um, the key is to go go in open to being changed, uh, but not everyone is going to convince you. Uh, question from Mortensen B. Kosoma. This is from Facebook. Hi, Tom. I have brilliant ideas. Did I give anyone else pause? Uh, I have brilliant ideas, including a book I'm writing now, except I am an iconoclast thinks different and seems people won't understand my point of view and what I would want to communicate to them. People are used to the conventional normal way of doing things. How can I break this pattern in these humans and get on top? Um, I'm going to take a drink of water really fast. All right, Mortson, I'm coming at you with love, man but here's the reality. In in the language that you're using in that question, like you are, you don't yet have the identity of a learner. And the most important thing you could do, like in, and I don't know you fair enough, and all I have to go on is this question, but in in this question, there are so many dangerous um, words. So maybe like it, it just didn't come across the way that you meant it, but there's a lot of dangerous words. So, um Never assume your ideas are brilliant. And it would be so cool, like I really wanna think that I'm an iconoclast, like that would be awesome. But here's how I view myself. I have ideas, some end up being brilliant and some are really fucking terrible. And I'm always testing them against the market. So you want to build your identity around being the learner, not being right, not being smart, not being an iconoclast. Like don't worry about whether your ideas are brilliant. The just law of averages said most of them won't be. And what I would be doing is looking at this, these humans may be the most troubling thing that you say (coughs) so meet people with compassion and love and if people if you have a really awesome idea and people aren't getting it you have to own that that's you man you've got to accept that you're not communicating in a way that those people can understand you that they can hear you and so um, I was doing an interview yesterday on somebody else's podcast and I broke something down and I thought fuck like, that was genius, man. And if these people are listening, like, there, it is gonna change their lives. And then one of the guys in the feed was like, yo, you lost me. And at that point, I did not think, well, that guy's an idiot. I thought, wow. Like, I thought I had gotten to, like, this really clear way of explaining it. And I realized I hadn't. Because if I had, he would've understood. So I'm taking ownership of that. So here's the hard truth. You don't need to uh, break the pattern in these people. You need to recognize that that's how people process. And if you really are an iconoclast and you really have brilliant ideas, your job now becomes to convey them in a way that people can actually understand so you can help them and change them. Um, Being a tortured, misunderstood artist to me holds no value in society whatsoever. So I don't think there's any reason that people need to be so far ahead of their time that people don't understand. I think that Steve Jobs was like at the leading edge, like he was way ahead of everybody else, but he had a way of making it accessible. And because of that, he built the most, um, valuable company on the planet. So that's somebody who said, I have to figure this out. I have to learn how to communicate with people. So man, really, really open yourself up that you're going to be wrong a lot. Open yourself up to the most powerful thing you could have is humility open yourself up to to loving being wrong because then you can identify where it is that your communication is breaking down okay Next question is from Shulian Chong. This is from Facebook. What will you tell a 30-year-old having a stable job but always wanted to do her own business but yet fear the opportunity cost of having to give up a stable career? Do both. So you're gonna start the side hustle. You're gonna grind it out during the day and then at nights and weekends, you're going to start the business. You're gonna actually get traction. And then when the business is getting to a point where you clearly can see this is going to work and the problem is only that you don't have enough time to allocate to it. That's when you go jettison your job. You don't do it before then. So that's exactly what we did at Quest. We kept awareness technologies while we were building up Quest um, and then only left as it was financially viable. So um, I cut all my expenses to the quick. That's another thing that you're gonna wanna do. Uh, My wife and I stopped going out. We literally just knocked our expenses back as low as we could. I cut my pay to a third so that I could afford to go take time to build Quest um, while still making contributions to the technology company. But that's really it. You have to do both. You just have to work a shit ton of hours. And by the way, before I stopped um, working full-time at the technology company, we were still building... Quest, so we would literally work all day at Awareness and then at night and on weekends we'd make protein bars. So you just gotta grind it out. You gotta throw an inhuman amount of energy at it. All right, next question is from Aaron Marie Kramer on YouTube. Uh, What do you think about multi-level marketing companies that use a pyramid scheme? Well, I used to do one, uh, so I was in prepaid legal. So if you've ever heard me talk about how I used to walk door to door to sell insurance, that's what I was selling was prepaid legal. So you spend some of your time selling, and then some of your time trying to get people in your downstream. Um, if you believe in the product, which I really did believe in prepaid legal, then I don't see I don't have any beef with it whatsoever. If it's all a scam to get people below you who aren't ever going to be successful, and you're just trying to dupe them into buying that starter kit which is the one thing in the industry that makes all of this dodgy like if there was no upfront fees and it was all just about hey people come in they grind it it's like you welcome all comers and they get in and do their thing and then you only get paid if you help them be successful with no upfront costs then I'm I'm way all for it it's that most people are making the bulk of their revenue off the starter kit to the other people in their downline by selling a dream, and then they end up sitting on that and they never sell it. That's super shitty. So, but if you're going to offer, let's say, a money back guarantee, so you make them buy the kit, the starter kit, as a way to make sure that they're serious. Yeah, I fully get that. But then, if you um, are unable to help them be successful, then you should buy the kit back. I think that that I have no beef with that. All right, did we scroll up? Yeah, okay. Uh, This one comes from Billy France on YouTube. Why is family critical when you're on your way to greatness? Uh Uh-huh. So here's the thing. Everybody gets to pick what it is that they care about. Relationships, I will just tell you the way that humans are wired. um, You need strong relationships to feel fulfilled, to have a deep sense of connection. We we are neurologically wired for that. So unless you're going to have something implanted in your brain that makes you no longer wired for that, or maybe you're asking the question because you're not wired for that. So if for whatever reason, spending time with family, and I'll say friends, because your family could be a bunch of assholes for all I know. I have no idea. In which case, I wouldn't over-prioritize family. Um, So you have to be very, very clear on what it is um, that you care about, what it is that's giving you positive feedback in your life. In fact, uh, Tuesday's episode of Impact Theory was with Lewis Howes, and he talks about this, that he prioritizes his vision so the thing that he's trying to bring into this world is more important to him than his family you know he said it doesn't mean that he doesn't spend a lot of time with his family it doesn't mean that he's not completely present with his family and tries to really be there for him but when the two things come into conflict that he's going to over index on the vision that he has and what he's trying to create so um you've got to decide that for yourself. Nobody can tell you, but I will say that the thing that I spend the vast majority of my time on is my business in no uncertain terms, because I love it. It gives me energy. I believe in what I'm trying to do. I'm deeply passionate about it. However, from a like value system perspective, my wife is my highest value. And so if ever the two come into conflict, I will choose her. So, uh, But the one thing I told her she could never ask me to give up would be my ambition. So she knows in the relationship, she's got to make room for that ambition that I'm always going to be striving for something massive. Um, but the only reason to spend time with your family is because you enjoy it and you get something positive out of it. That's the only reason to spend time with anybody. So Yeah. I just think it's innate to us as humans to really get massive positive feedback from strong, beautiful relationships. Okay, question from Marius Tudor. This is from Facebook. Hi, Tom, really like your show. Thank you very much. Uh, got to have a bit of a weird question. I work with high, high spend clients in digital marketing and I get really good results for them. Uh, How do I scale down that knowledge to actually start my own business with significantly less budget than my existing clients? How do I scale down that knowledge? Um... So I don't quite understand what you mean by scale down that knowledge. So I'm just gonna answer this question. How do you start your own business taking what you know, but knowing that ultimately this is gonna be on a smaller scale because you don't have access to all of the different employees and stuff. So um, first and foremost, you have to be very, very careful to just become the practitioner. So go read the book, The E-Myth Revisited by Michael E. Gerber, he talks about What ends up happening is you're going to go do all the marketing stuff for your clients instead of orchestrating other people to do it. Now, there's going to be some of that in the beginning. There's no question. You're just going to have to work in a human number of hours, but you're going to have to have your eye towards bringing on other people to help you. The easiest way to do that in the beginning is to get people that you can pay via equity. So you're not going to pay them a salary. You're going to pay them with equity. They're also going to be somebody who's doing this at nights and weekends. Go out, get clients, two, three of you come together where now you're able to split all the operational things that the business is going to need. And you can bring your personal areas of expertise, find people with complementary skill sets. Don't just have three people with the exact same skill set. And then you're going to go out, you're going to get your clients and you're going to put them through the, you know, obviously a very scaled down version, assuming that you're at a larger company now. Um, But you should be able to, if you're willing to reinvest all of your profits, you should be able to very quickly bring on other employees if you're really able to deliver results. And I wanna say everything is predicated on that. If you have high spend clients with a good margin and you deliver good results for them, and those results are because of you and what you know and understand, then it's a nights and weekends to begin. But I would expect if you're really delivering results, this is a six to 12 month, like hardcore nights and weekends endeavor. And then you should be able to start bringing on employees. Um, if you're really getting results, get a few people to help you. So it's not just you offer equity and not pay. And there you have it. And there's ways to structure the equity so that if they're not pulling their weight or whatever, that you could, you know, by majority vote or whatever, um, remove them from the company. And if they're not pulling their weight, so just make sure all of that's laid out very clearly. Everybody understands it and agrees upon it ahead of time to avoid, uh, any trauma. All right. Question is from Lester Vitaya, Facebook. Do you really think one needs a chip on his shoulder to stay motivated, as one of your past videos suggests? I really hope my past video does not suggest that. I hope my past video makes it abundantly fucking clear that yes, if you want to play on the world stage, I do not believe you're ever going to get there without roughly 20% of your time being used leveraging. What we'll call the dark side or a chip on your shoulder, because I think the beautiful things in life only take you so far. So this is based on um, studies that have come out that show if you've got somebody that has to endure pain and if you're building a business or trying to succeed at the highest level, I promise pain is coming for you. The only way to um, get people to push beyond what the normal person can push beyond is allow them to express and internalize anger, rage. So put somebody's arm in a bucket of ice, this is one of the real tests they did, put their arm in a bucket of ice, tell them to leave it there as long as they can. Let's say, on average, people can leave it there for seven minutes and 22 seconds. If you want them to be able to do it for 10 minutes plus, let them get angry. As it starts to really hurt, let them yell and swear and really get pissed off. And they'll be able to keep it in. I think it's roughly 30% longer. So it has a massive impact on your ability to push through pain. So I think humans are just wired for both. I think if you spend more than 20% of your time there, it is going to corrode you in no uncertain terms. So I'm not saying turn yourself to the dark side, become an angry person. Like, no, who the fuck wants to live like that? And who wants to be around somebody like that? 80% of your time should be spent on the beautiful things that you want to do, the things you're grateful for. 80%, kids, it's the vast majority of your time. But for very acute moments, I think that you do want to leverage your capability to get very focused, angry. There's there is intoxication in rage because there is so much certainty. There's so much clarity. You know exactly what you're doing and you manifest a physiological response that's going to allow you to push through. So there it is. By the way, if you hate spending your time there, no worries. Either go out and try to prove me wrong, which, hey, that would be amazing, or B, just don't try to play at that level. There is no moral obligation to work um, as hard as I work, to spend as much time and energy on this as I do, to be willing to dip into the dark side. like You don't have to do that. Um, but if you want a real treatise on the power of the dark side, read Tim Grover's Relentless. Um, he's the guy that trained Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Dwayne Wade, uh, just a lot of, of the greatest of all time in basketball. And he said the one thing they all have in common is they're able to tap into that dark side. And I, yeah, it, that has certainly been true in my own life. Um, so that's my answer. All right, question from... Abalash Volati, this is from YouTube. Tom, it feels so good to watch your videos, but it is now becoming a problem. I get a dopamine hit every time I watch one of your videos and I end up procrastinating, how do I prevent this? So you've got two options. One, don't watch the videos and just fucking grind it out. Two, allocate some period during your day where it's like from this time to this time, if I've gotten XYZ done first, then I will watch these videos And then I will immediately take action. So that's what I do. So during the times that I'm eating, if I'm masticating, then while I'm chewing, I allow myself to watch things. Maybe it's something that motivates me, inspires me, or maybe it's somebody, and I do this a lot, to essentially put bamboo shoots under my fingernails to watch people who make better content than me, to remind myself that I have a long way to go, that if I really want to have the kind of impact on this world that I want to have, I got to get a lot better. And so... For anybody out there that's into movies, comic books, TV shows, you know that we started a new channel on YouTube called Impact Theory Studios. We're doing panels and some other cool stuff around films and stuff. The one that we're doing coming up is Thor Ragnarok. But let me tell you, I got to get a lot better at this shit. So a lot of times I'm watching what are other people doing in this world because I'm going to beat them every single one. So you can see for me, I watch things that not only motivate and inspire me, but I plan to take action immediately on this stuff. So while if I've done my morning routine as I should have and I've gotten important things done and I'm moving things forward while I'm eating, then I allow myself to watch that stuff. Okay, so next question is from Satyam Singal. Yeah, yeah. This is from YouTube. How do I be fearless in public because I feel dumb when I speak or open up with my opinions at times? I would like to address this. Okay, so um, you're never going to become fearless. So let's start with that. So my favorite definition of courage is courage is not the lack of fear. It's rising up in spite of the fear. That's what awaits us all. There're going to be things that freak you out. You're going to be afraid. There's no question. You just have to have a a belief that you move towards the things that fear you uh, that you're afraid of. So part of the reason that I think that's true is the reason that you're afraid is there are real stakes, there are real consequences, which means if there's real stakes, real consequences, if you get it right and do well, then there's positive opportunity. I look at all of life as practice and not performance, so it's like, hey, here's an opportunity for me to practice. There are some stakes to this. I really hope it goes well, but if it doesn't, no worries, there'll be another opportunity because I'm always moving towards that opportunity. I'm always trying to create that opportunity. In fact, I have a meeting today I'm not gonna go I'm not gonna talk about it, but I'll give you vagaries. So there is a celebrity who um I basically just kept telling everyone so I know this person. I know their team pretty well. And so I just kept telling them, this is what I'm doing. I want to do something with your boy. I want to, this is it. This is what I want to create. Knowing that if they say yes and they take the meeting, now I really have to figure this shit out and I really have to go convince them. And today's that day. So, but I'm excited about it because if I fail, cool, on to the next one. And I'll learn from that and I'll try it again and again and again and again and again until finally someone will say yes, or I'll realize that this isn't actually moving me towards my goals, but I'm so, I know about myself, I'm so fucking relentless, I'm not going to stop, and when you know that about yourself, when you've proven that to yourself over time, whether you go in and fuck up, whether you walk into the room and embarrass yourself, what does it matter, you know next time, you'll still do it again, you'll keep pushing forward, so no amount of embarrassment is going to stop me, no amount of failure is going to stop me, And in that failure, I'm going to learn. So even though I still have that fear response, and it is oddly not as strong as it used to be, but it's still pretty fucking strong, I know about myself that I will keep pushing forward. I will keep creating opportunities. I will keep telling people what I'm doing, even if it means I get embarrassed somewhere along the way because I failed to do it. Because I know in the end, it is a winning strategy that's been employed to great success, not only by myself, but virtually every person who's ever been successful ever at anything So it's a winning strategy. Embrace it. Play the long game. And remember, like Jim Carrey said, until somebody tells you, this is the night, man. If you crush it tonight, your career is set. And if you fail tonight, you're never going to make it. Until you fuck that up at least five times, you haven't even gotten started. All right, next up is from Nadia Nareen. This is Facebook. Hi, Tom. I've been unemployed seven months now, and the job market is really bad. Companies here are quietly sending people home due to the downturn in the economy. The last couple of days, I woke up really anxious and panicked because, well, frankly, the money is running out. How do I stay positive and not give in to fear? Second, how do I go about figuring out my next steps? All right, so here's the thing. More millionaires were created in the Great Depression than any other time in human history. That used to be true. I won't swear that that's true to this day, but that means that more millionaires were created because it's the only other time period um, since before that stat I knew to be true uh, was the Great Recession. So, in moments of disruption, there are always moments of opportunity. Also, the best employees are always the ones that stay around the longest. So you control whether you become a true linchpin, whether you're one of those people that people can't do without, whether you're really delivering a crushing amount of value or not. So every time I met with fear, uncertainty, um, not knowing where things are gonna go, and this man... If you want to read a book that really personifies this, read Walt Disney by Neil Gabler, who talks about every time Disney was hit with fear or uncertainty or um, his life wasn't going well, he wasn't making money, he redoubled his efforts on making his product better let me say that one more time. Every time he was hit with fear, uncertainty, money was nowhere to be found. He doubled down on making his product better. And that is my response always to fear and uncertainty. Get better, get better, get better. My skill set, develop that. Go out, network, meet more people, dream bigger. Don't shrink back. This is the time to engage, right? When there's blood in the streets, that's when you invest. When there's blood in the fucking streets, that's when you invest. It isn't when things are going well. When things are going well, that's when the price is reflected. I'm reading your book, Principles, homie. So everybody, mad shout out to Chase, who's got me on my most recent book by Ray Dalio called Principles. And he's talking about this. When everyone's in agreement, that's reflected in the price. So when everyone agrees, um, like, In this example, if you're playing it safe and doing what everybody thinks you should be doing, that's when you're actually going to um, not have as much value to bring because everybody's on that same page. So you've got to be the contrarian and right. And the easiest way to do that is to just have a crushing, crushing, crushing amount of skills. So focus on getting better and that's going to address that. And remember, you're always in control. And if you get fired, by the way, it is not the economy's fault. It's your fault. So I say that only so that you will own it and remember that you can do something to empower yourself because you're going to crush it. You're going to focus on skills. The seven-month drought, hopefully you're learning in that every time you go and apply and don't get a job. What do you take away from that? How does that empower you so that you can go in and crush it? Go find out. Go on LinkedIn. People are going to be talking about this. Become the expert on LinkedIn. What are people saying? What's the word on the street about what you need to do to get a job in this economy? Get after it own it, stay in control. Tools, Shopify is your all-in-one platform to quickly and efficiently take your business to the next level. I love everything about Shopify because it makes it so easy to start, run, and grow a business. Shopify powers more than 10% of all U.S. e-commerce because businesses that wanna grow quickly use Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial at shopify.com slash impact, all lowercase. Again, go to shopify.com slash impact right now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in Has it. And with eBay guaranteed fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. All right, next question is from Nicka Rose. Facebook, uh, when you hire your employees, that's a full sentence. When you When do you hire your employees? Uh, what do you look for and what stands out to you? Who, who would that person have to be in order for you to hire him or her on the spot? Okay. Um, it's, it's not that it never happens, but as you scale, it's no, 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 go back, please. It's not that it never happens. It's pretty rare that you're going to hire people on the spot. Um, cause that's usually just an emotional decision. And I want to see if I still feel the same way about them the next day. Um, But what I'm looking for, I look for three things in employee. I look for grand ambition because if you don't have grand ambition, if you don't want something big, if you're not willing to play on a massive scale, I'm gonna seem crazy to you. Uh, The next thing I look for is drive. I am not interested in empty dreamers. So drive to me is another word for grit. I need people that are really gonna stick it out, that you're just, you're so hell bent to make it happen that you'll fight through boredom, you'll fight through failure, you'll fight through embarrassment, all of that, and that you really want to get good and that you're making huge demands of yourself. That's absolutely critical to me. Um, and then the third thing, and this is the thing that I think makes our company a little unique is that I'm looking for people with compassion. So I'm looking for a grand ambition, drive, and compassion. Normally you find grand ambition, drive, and competitiveness, and I want people that are compassionate. I want people that want to play as a team. I want people that have competitiveness in them, but when compassion and competitiveness collide, I want compassion to win out. I want them to want their teammates to shine. I want them to look for ways to help. I want them to be encouraging. I don't want a dog dog environment. I want people to trust. I want long-term relationships. There's nothing worse than a frenemy, fuck frenemies. So yeah, those are my three things. All right, next question is from Geraldine Segur. This is from Facebook. Finally, after years of confusion, I've discovered my passion, which is to create educational opportunities for marginalized children. That's pretty cool, especially in developing countries, but I am stuck due to lack of funds. How do I get financial support to achieve the vision? All right. If you've really got an amazing vision and you can tell a compelling story, I'd go on Kickstarter or GoFundMe or something like that. I think there's even one, Chase, you're going to help me out here that's focused on nonprofits. All right. Chase and I are both failing you apologies. Um, but there is something out there, I think, like that, um, where you can go tell your story in a very compelling way, get people excited to help you, and get funds that way. Alternatively, find a way to productize helping people. I'll give you a great example. Jessica O. Matthews, um, whose company is called Uncharted Play. She was a guest on Impact Theory. Go watch that episode. She's amazing. And she wanted, just like you, wanted to help underprivileged children in developing countries and one of the things was they don't have um light they don't have electricity so they can't study at night so what she created was a soccer ball that as you kicked it it was storing kinetic energy and then you could plug a lamp into it and it was both a soccer ball and a a battery essentially um so pretty cool and she's now got a um she's raised more capital than any other uh, black woman I think ever. Uh, so it's really, really cool. So, um, there are definitely ways to productize something in a beautiful way to build a business that adds value. I mean, Hey, I'll take this opportunity to remind everybody impact theory is a for-profit company, but we want to help people. Um, but Hey, speaking of for-profit go right now to shop.impacttheory.com, buy some, what we call self signaling items. So shorts, sure, like like, Oh my God, Chase, you didn't even remind me. So do the work is one of our shirts so if you want to help kids you got to do the work and you can pick up a shirt right now at shop.impacttheory.com get on it all right next up aha 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 is there another way to say that that's amazing all right aha ni, incredible name by the way uh facebook How can I let go of people that are very important to me, but decided not to care for me anymore? I had someone in my life who believed in me always and pushed me and gave me the feeling I could be better than I am. But now he ignores me and apparently gave up on me. How to stop myself from being devastated about it and move on. All right, man, this is, let me just tell you uh, where I stand on this human nature okay human nature both on your side and their side so first of all most relationships are temporary it's very very rare for a relationship to last forever uh if you're not putting in an inhuman amount of work to make sure that you stay connected and things like that. Um, The chances are that as uh, my boy Phil Jackson said, things come together, things fall apart. So enjoy the people while they're in your life, while they're supporting you. And then as you begin to fall apart, just realize that that is human nature, that people grow in different directions and that's very, very okay. So it doesn't mean that anything about you is bad or that he realized, oh my God, like you're a terrible person. And so now he's going on his own way finally realizing that you were a waste of time. It's not that. It's just that now he's got different interests, things that are pulling him in a different direction. That's absolutely fine. Be super grateful for the time that you guys had together. Hopefully it was amazing. It sounds like it was pretty beautiful and wonderful. So rad. Uh, but when I think about the, the way that friends have come in and out of my life during different phases has been awesome. I've enjoyed them while I had them and I've enjoyed the new friends as they've come into my life. So, um, then the other thing is you have to understand yourself. You need to believe in yourself. You need to have a belief system that will, come to you in moments of crisis where you're doubting yourself. You need to believe humans are the ultimate adaptation machine, that we have this voice it's meant to keep us safe. So even though like I feel full of doubt, I know that because what we're wired to do as a human is get good at things. If I apply myself, I can get good at it. So it's not about somebody outside of me believing in me. It's about just accepting the reality of the human ability to grow and adapt. And so am I doing the work available at shop.impacttheory.com right now or not? And if you're not doing the work, then there's your problem. So yeah, th- those are the, the two things about human nature you need to understand. Things come together, things fall apart. Friends are gonna come in and out of your life. It's just the reality of things. And then the other is that's how the mind works. You're gonna have self-doubt, but you need to have a belief system that's gonna protect you in those moments to remember that you can do anything you set your mind to on a long enough timeline. Okay, next question is from Andre Germano. Andre Germano, Tom, uh, have you been making money with IT? Yes. But the more powerful question is, are you guys profitable? And the answer is no. So we have a long range plan. We laid it out on the website. Uh, We know it's gonna take years doing it the way that we're doing it to actually be profitable. Um, But we've gotten more and more top line revenue month after month. So I'm very encouraged by the directionality. Uh, We're right where we wanted to be in terms of spend and investment in the company. Um, But we still have a long way to go. And that's why I say, man, you gotta show up every day Playing like it all has to happen right now, today. There is no tomorrow. I have no fucking patience. I'm going all out every day because I know if I don't, that we won't hit our goal four years from now. So that man, I can't stress that enough. Uh so yeah, that's where we're at. Uh next question is from Basil Paul. Hello, Tom. I'm a big fan of yours from India. What is up, India? Please suggest some tips to wake up at 4 a.m. The only tip I have is go to bed at whatever time you need to so that you naturally wake up at 4 a.m. That's it. That is the sum total of my strategy. I do not, uh, that's, almost true. Sometimes I'll admit I'll have like water to drink at night, knowing that it'll limit the amount that I sleep because I'll need to pee, (laughs) but that's actually pretty rare. Um, but even then I know that I'll wake up on a natural cycle. So the real tip is prioritize sleep, get as much sleep as you need sleep, sleep, sleep. That's how you cognitively optimize. People always ask me how I've so much energy. And the answer is I sleep, I sleep, I work out and I get a lot of exercise. So sleep, workout, get exercise, that's the key. Don't worry about waking up at 4 a.m. If you're going to bed at 7 p.m. and you wake up at 5 a.m., you just need a shit ton of sleep. So get the sleep, get the sleep. It's the only way to be super sharp. And then I think you'll find over time, once you stop using an alarm and you just sleep as long as you need, that your sleep cycle will shorten to something reasonable, say seven, eight hours-ish is probably typical for the average person. As you get older, it may shorten. That's actually been one of the greatest advantages of getting older for me. I sleep less. All right, question from Mari Seeger, Facebook, How do men receive strong and powerful women? All right, this goes on, but I'll just tell you right now, the answer to that varies person by person by person. So there's no one universal way. Some are absolutely terrified, intimidated, and they will run in the opposite direction. And some are wildly intoxicated. So it. It completely depends on the person, especially as a life partner. And in a relationship, it has been a little troubling because usually men have the natural need to be the alpha and I am a naturally strong, strong and a little dominant woman. So it hasn't worked for me in a longer perspective thoughts. Yes. Stop going after guys that are alpha. So if you know that you want to be the alpha in the relationship, then find a guy who naturally fits into a beta role. So somebody's going to be the alpha, somebody's going to be the beta. In a relationship with two betas, I think it's doomed. In a relationship with two alphas, I promise it's doomed. So, um, yeah, somebody is going to have the alpha energy, someone's going to have the beta energy. And by the way, that does not mean the good energy and the bad energy. Being beta, man, you, you bring something absolutely critical to the, the role and the way my wife and I refer to it, because I'm the alpha, she's the beta, is they're both roles. Neither is better than the other. They're just roles. So my wife doesn't want to be in the leadership role, but man, she wants to be better than me at a lot of things. She wants to be amazing. She wants to play to the highest of her abilities. She wants to constantly be getting better, but she doesn't necessarily want to be the decision maker. That's just not what she enjoys. She doesn't feel that it speaks to her strengths, but once we've decided this is what we're doing, there is no better human on the planet to make sure that it actually happens. And so that's been the way that our roles have come together and it's been absolutely amazing. There are people in my life that I love very, very much. Men who I think are incredible human beings, but they're beta and that's their natural energy. That's where they want to be. That's what they respond to. Is it because they had a really strong mom and they responded to that? Who knows? But that's the role that they love playing, that they feel super comfortable in. And I've actually seen, I'm thinking of one person in particular, I've seen him with both uh, an alpha woman and a beta woman. When he was with the beta woman, it did not work out because they were both looking for the other person to take leadership. Neither of them did. It was super frustrating for both of them. And then when he found uh, an alpha female, dude, they're so happy. It's incredible. Um, and, and they've been together now for a very, very long time. So um, yeah, find find the person whose energy matches yours or complements yours, I should say. All right. Uh, Question from Aisha Aurora. This is Facebook. How to maintain balance with your emotional side when you know it's getting difficult to to let go of things? Um, So, I don't have an inherent trust in my emotions. So, that's probably the best place to start. I think a lot of times emotions are going to make you make decisions that don't make a lot of sense. So, I keep my emotions in check. I'm always asking myself, what moves me towards my goals? And usually the thing that moves me towards my goals is not to be emotional. And so I, um, I let go of those things. I literally will deep breathe them away because I don't believe that my emotions are more true than logic, um, which is where I think a lot of people go. Like Emotions seem real. They're visceral. You're experiencing them. You're going through it. They think because of that logic feels so cold and distant and it's just like me like doing a math equation. That's not how I see it. There are things in my life that on a macro level are just true on a long timeline are true. Like that's the course that I want to walk. So rather than getting lost in that emotion and giving into that and thinking just because it comes with a neurochemical cascade that I have to ride that wave, um, I know that there are things you can do from just a, a physicality standpoint to immediately negate an emotion. I know that you can meditate stress and anxiety away. There's never been a time in my life, and I've been through some crazy shit, There's never been a time in my life where meditation didn't take me to exactly zero stress and anxiety. Now, that doesn't mean that once I stopped meditating that it didn't start creeping back up, but every time I could meditate my way to absolute zero stress and anxiety. So, and then the more that you do it, obviously the longer the periods where you, that continues even after you've stopped meditating continues. So if at first it's only while you meditate, And then it's while you meditate plus 20 minutes, and then it's while you meditate plus two hours, and then it's while you meditate plus 10 hours, and it's while you meditate plus two days, so on and so forth. Like, you just keep meditating as that time gets longer and longer. So there are things that you can do from a physicality perspective that are going to help you break those emotions. So that's what I would do. All right, next question is from Brian Rotkamp, Facebook. Greetings from New Jersey. What's up, Jersey? Jersey? I was listening to Charles Duhigg, I dig that guy, um, talk about the power of habit. He spoke about the problem of going down cognitive tunnels and overfocusing, which distract us from what is important, any thoughts on staying out of them. Um, so again, I'm, I'm pushing everything against or running everything through the filter of, does this move me towards my goal or not? Um, if it does, then I'm going to do it no matter how boring, hard, difficult, whatever. And if it doesn't, I'm not going to do it no matter how much fun, pleasurable, whatever, et cetera. So that, yeah, I mean, he's absolutely right. You can overfocus on anything. And the, the problem is, for me anyway, there's so many things that I'm passionate about, I'm excited about, that I really wanna do, that it's really coming down to choosing them. And I've heard this said, and I don't remember by who, multiple people actually, you can do everything, just not at the same time. So you're gonna have to do them sequentially. So yeah, you gotta decide what's the thing I'm gonna focus on right now. What's the thing that's most likely gonna take me towards my goals, go after that. All right. Next question is from Johannes Sturmer. Johannes Sturmer. Uh, What were your most embarrassing moments in business and how did you handle it? Well, my most embarrassing moment in business was when I was trying to uh, build Bilyeu Photography and I was working, oh God, this is so embarrassing. I even hate telling this story. Uh, I was working a party And I was using a camera that I didn't really understand. And I wasn't smart enough to spend however long it took. And this is pre-internet. So I wasn't smart enough to take the time to really learn and figure out the camera. And there were some times for whatever reason where the flash would not go off. And if the flash wouldn't go off, it wouldn't take a picture. I didn't know why. And there was, it was unfortunately not a great camera. And so there was no full manual. So there's no way to force it to take a picture. So basically, if it thought you were taking a bad picture, it just wouldn't take the fucking picture. So here I am not being able to put it in full manual mode and I'm at a party and I have got to take these pictures and these two or three women are staring, waiting for me to take the picture. It won't take, it won't take, it won't take. (laughs) And my answer, my solution to this problem Brace yourself, Chase, was to make the click sound of the camera with my voice. (laughs) That haunts me to this day. That is so embarrassing. Like, (sighs) but nonetheless, it's true. That's what I did. That is by far. I still think that's the most embarrassing moment of my life, period. I can't believe I did that. They obviously knew that I made the clicking sound with my voice. Uh, I didn't fool anybody. Oh, dear God. So, uh, and how did I handle it? I I honestly handled it by skulking off in shame. That's what I did. And by being haunted by it till this very day. But I leverage it and I tell people that story so that when I say I did not show early signs of promise, I mean it. I was doing stupid shit like that, and I had to learn all of these lessons the very hard way by engaging deeply, by reading, uh, by having a growth mindset, all of that, because I didn't have a growth mindset back then. Otherwise, I would have just said, hey, guys, I'm so sorry. I can't figure out my camera right now. Uh, Give me a second. But because I was trying to protect my ego and I didn't want to be embarrassed, I ended up doing the most embarrassing thing ever. All right. Question from Alex Ashman, YouTube. Can you talk in depth about why suffering is necessary for self-discovery and why almost all successful people have gone through some sort of suffering? Uh, it's it's The brain is wired for that. So you're more likely to remember something that has heightened emotions. So that that is literally the biological way that we store memories. So um, at some point, nature realized You could remember everything, and there seemed to be people like Kim Peake, who Kim Peake is the person they base Rain Man on. He could read two books simultaneously. He had no corpus callosum, so the two hemispheres of his brain didn't communicate. He could memorize, memorize, memorize two different books at the same time. So one on the left eye, one on the right eye. He wasn't just reading them. He was memorizing them on a single pass. So you really can remember everything, but it's a terrible strategy. So you've gotta know what's more important than the other thing. And the easiest way for the brain to do that is heightened emotions. If something triggers something in you, danger, threat, those are clearly things you're gonna wanna remember. So if you narrowly avoided getting eaten by a tiger, hey, the next time you see orange moving through the bush, turn and run. So that is a memory you are not going to want to forget. So heightened emotions allow us to really remember something. And one of the ways to heighten your emotions is to suffer, to go through something terrible where you're pushing back against it. You never want to go through that again. And so your brain will rise to your defenses and it will, it will allow for real and lasting change based on that to make sure that you don't get in that shitty situation again. All right. Uh, next question is from Johannes Sturmer again. Uh, when you invest in an idea from someone else, what qualities do the people who have the idea must have? Uh, literally nothing. They need to have an idea that I can realize is right, that it's actually going to move me towards my goals. So man, I will take a good idea from anywhere, from anyone. If somebody walked in right now that like wanted to kill me, they hated me. They had made an entire video series about what a jerk I was but they have an idea that I can use, I'm gonna use that idea. You've gotta be able to separate the message from the messenger. If the message is good, use it no matter what. All right, next question is from Christian Arroyo, Facebook. What happens when you have more drive and ambition than the employees you get jobs with and eventually it does not work out because you seem to be more on top of things than they are and it does not work out? What? Chase, do you understand that? What happens when you have more drive and ambition than the employees you get jobs with? So it sounds like they're peers and eventually it does not work out because you seem to be more on top of things than they are and it doesn't work. The employer is asking that. Is that our that official? All right, so we'll answer it from that perspective. Um, well, if you as the employer have more drive and ambition than your, oh, than your employers. Ah, What happens when you have more drive and ambition? No, 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 don't scroll off. What happens when you have more drive and ambition than your employers you get the jobs with? Oh, man. So, Christian, forgive me. I'm going to read through this one. It is entirely possible that your employees are absolute psychopaths, but I'm gonna guess if you ran into that one time in your life, that would be shocking, first of all. Second of all, it sounds like this keeps happening to you, so I'm just gonna, I'm gonna help you out, man. It's all your fault. So my father-in-law, when I first met them, he was trying to give me business advice because he was paranoid that I was gonna make his daughter poor forever, and so he gave me the best piece of advice that he had, and it went like this. When you go into a room, make sure you know more about whatever is being discussed than anyone else in the room. He said, this is going to be how you get ahead with your boss. So go in. If they have a meeting about something, make sure that you research it so well before you walk into that room that you actually know more about the project that they're trying to move forward as the lowest guy in the totem pole than they do. He's like, when you do that, you're going to move rapidly through the the company. And do you know what my dumb ass said? I actually said to him, my bosses aren't like that. They really don't like people to put their ideas forward. They don't like people with that kind of ambition. Sound familiar? And here's the lesson that I learned of of course they did. The truth was, I didn't know more about it than them. I probably came across like an arrogant prick or like I was aloof, and so I wasn't moving up fast enough because before I even did the work to become so good that they couldn't ignore me. Because remember, what your bosses care about, they get rich off of your ideas. In what universe would they ever be like, "We don't want your idea, kid?" Because You know, we don't want to be that successful. Like their egos are so fragile that they won't take that good idea. Middle managers, yes, 100%. But the owners, the actual employers in your company, absolutely fucking not. Again, if you come across one person like that in an entire life, I would be startled because those people won't stay in business. They're gonna go under. That's just the reality. So if you... The, the real answer here is for whatever reason, either you don't know enough or you don't know how to communicate it. That is the truth. But man, like this is awesome, right? Now you know. And if you can go and start knowing more about it than anyone else, start delivering so much value they can't ignore you and doing it in a way where even middle managers are open to your ideas because you're smart and you recognize human nature and you deliver your ideas in a way that people can hear you and embrace. You allow them to share on the credit, like whatever you need to do to make sure that you get your ideas across, you do it. I have since, by the way, apologized to my father-in-law for such an asinine reaction. And if you've ever wondered why, when I go into an interview, I get people answering, like I've had people literally say, you know more about me than my own mother. Sound familiar? It's finally me taking my father-in-law's advice. When I walk into an interview to, to interview somebody for impact theory, I make sure that I have researched them so well, there's nowhere they can go that I'm not going to have already learned that about them, okay? Knowing more about it than anyone else, it really is some of the most powerful advice. Get so good, they can't ignore you. You're telling me you're being ignored, which tells me you're not good enough yet. All right. So we're reaching the end here. Next question is from Chris Mansfield, Facebook. Tom, I've started my own business in a service industry. Things are going well professionally. The company is growing in the direction I would want to see it go. That said, personally, I'm not enjoying the process or experience. I think some of this might be the result of being a one-man show aside from consultants. Everything bringing success in the company brings lack of enjoyment. Personally, any advice? Yes, you, the game you're playing is not success. It's not money. It is brain chemistry. If you're not having fun, make a radical change immediately. So it sounds like you need to read Michael E. Gerber's book, uh, the e-myth revisited. Interesting. This has come up twice. What he talks about is don't work in your business, work on your business. So you want to figure out how you can get other people to come in and do some of the things you're either not good at Um, don't want to do and are stopping you from growing the business. So bring those people in, give them equity if you have to, but find a way that you can compartmentalize your part of the business to what you love most. If that's strategy, strategy. If it's, you know, being in the weeds, um, working on a particular aspect, great, go do that. But then you're going to have to find people to do other things. Steve Wozniak, right? One of the founders of Apple wanted to be a mid-level engineer. That was literally his quest. I want to be a mid-level engineer because what he loved was actually going in and coding. He was essentially a painter and he painted in code and he didn't ever wanna be in a position where he wasn't painting. Now, me as a filmmaker, I realized I don't want to be the one actually there directing. I love directing, I love it. Some of the greatest joy in my life has come from directing, but I will tell you, the only thing that's been more enjoyable is to be the one above that, working with all of the creatives on multiple projects and really helping them all grow and develop. That for me is is even more fun than directing. So I know that's where I want to be. So you've got to figure out what it is exactly that you want to do and find a way to get yourself into that position. It's good that you're asking the question. You have a degree of self-awareness. That's absolutely incredible. Um, Stay focused on that. All right, we're going to have to wrap. We're out of time. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Again, for anybody that's a film buff into TV shows, comic books, go over right now on YouTube to Impact Theory Studios, Impact Theory Studios, and you're going to see some cool content that we're putting out. We're just getting started, but we've already reviewed as a panel um, Blade Runner 2049, Stranger Things the entire season. We're about to do Thor Ragnarok. Check it out. Come join me, Files, and Dr. Finesse as we go deep on this stuff. Um, we're, it's all about mindset, what you can extract from a mindset perspective on movies, TV shows, books, comic books, all that stuff, but only go there. If you're into media and stuff like that, um, it's very much nerding and geeking out, but all from the framework of mindset. So if you have a friend that's into that stuff, be sure to share it again. That's impact theory studios, impact theory studios on YouTube. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining me here today. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe and until next time, my friends be legendary. Take care.